it's an important piece of the puzzle. So if if you're you know an e-commerce seller and you're doing this on the side and you're trying to make yourself more invaluable at work or you want to find more time to work on your e-commerce business, automating a piece of it could be part of what you do. Welcome to Honest E-commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, we welcome to the show Will Christensen. Will is the co-founder of Data Automation, uh, which specializes and customizes both automation and integration processes for e-commerce sellers. We'll get a little more into that in a few minutes. Uh, But first, Will, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's good to be here. Honestly, stoked about it. It's It's a good topic. It's a good time. Excited to talk more about automation. Absolutely, and I, automation is is especially right now with just kind of like the what's going on in the world. Everybody's starting to work from home, uh, you know, just because of what's going on with uh, the coronavirus. And it, it, you know, I think automation is now being kind of pushed not down people's throats per se, but like um, they're like, well, you know, we have to kind of start thinking about this stuff more, kind of get the human element out of it. So I think it's a it's a good topic to kind of tackle, especially talking specifically about e-commerce today. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I guess before we get into kind of what data automation is all about, let's talk a bit about your background and what kind of led you down this path to kind of you know become an automation specialist. Yep, absolutely. So I have to share, I'm a total superhero nerd. We totally call this like the origin story, right? So uh, when I was bit by that spider, the radioactive spider, what, what created uh, data automation. Back in the day, I was an unpaid intern at an advertising agency. And I was given the unique opportunity, which is not that unique, to copy and paste um, for basically 16 hours a week. And I was moving data from one spreadsheet to another to create an aggregated report. So for those of you who are listening and have downloaded uh, you know, a spreadsheet from one of your e-commerce systems, and you're copying and pasting data together to create an aggregated report. Um, that's exactly where I started. I had to do a ton of of just pushing things back and forth. And um, my immediate supervisor at the time, who was on his way out of the company that I was working with, so they they hired me. On from being an unpaid intern to be being a an assistant, my job was to kind of be the stopgap uh, in between him and and the next department head who was starting. And um, this guy sat me down and he said, "Okay, this is a V lookup." And I was like, "A V what?" He said, "It's a V lookup. It's where you connect two spreadsheets together, um, and you can make it so that this cell references that cell and that other spreadsheet, and you don't have to uh, you don't have to go." Click, copy, find, and fill it all out manually. And my mind just expanded at that moment. I was like, wait, you mean I don't have to copy that cell, go over to this spreadsheet, control F, find that other one, and then match up all of these values? I can just say, like, oh, if the customer ID equals this, then the customer name is this because that's in another spreadsheet. And 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 I said, okay, well, if that's possible, what else could we do? Because I was doing all sorts of like 
you know, trying to count up the number of transactions that were happening over here so that I could see trends and analysis and summarize. And I, I got into pivot tables and started to really understand what, what it meant to mesh data together. And obviously, I had these 16 hours and they all included a whole bunch of mini sub processes that I had to automate. Um, but at the time, I didn't even know I had to automate them. I just knew they were annoying. And so I, I spent probably 200 to 300 hours teaching myself how to code, digging in and automating this process. And I had Excel opening web browsers, doing all sorts of crazy stuff to, to make this spreadsheet do my entire job or, or at least two-fifths of my job because it was 16 hours of a 5-day work week to knock that all out. So. After the process was done, I had cut it down from 18 hours down to 2 hours. My computer was waking up in the middle of the night and doing most of the work for me, um, aggregating all of, the, all of those different data points, uh, writing VLOOKUPs for me, all of that kind of stuff. And I realized that this is what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to help other people take back their 16 hours each week and uh, put that into something that only a human can do, something that um, we as human beings should be focusing on, which is creation and creativity. So that was the birth of it. Fast forward several years, um, and we founded an automation consultancy that focuses on integration, automation, and pushing things forward with tools like Zapier and Google Sheets and many, many others um, out there. Will, uh, you don't know it yet, but you are going to be so annoyed by our friendship. <laughs> Honestly, um, annoying is is the word everybody else uses. Um, the word I use... When, when, when you start saying something like that, I start to get excited because it probably means that I found a like-minded individual. Somebody who either thinks like me or has a whole bunch of ideas that we can play. And, and I call it play because it really is. I love getting me in the middle of a spreadsheet. Oh, man. It's... Uh... Not to, not to, the, the podcast here is for our listeners. It's not for me. So I'm definitely going to use my time wisely here. But uh, let's talk about kind of automation is like a big scary thing. Uh, and, you know, I think the first things that we need to point out together is like automation is just taking the human element out of a simple task. And, you know, all the big jobs are kind of like what you said is, is you had this 16 hours of stuff that were all these micro mini tasks. Mm hmm. So the way you had to have to approach automation in, in general is you you approach it in a way where it's all right. I have to just get this little thing done first. Yep. And then and then you just keep building and building and building on top of that. Yep. Um. I think the first thing that scares people with automation is they see a big job or a big process and they just don't know where to start. Well, it's amazing because you look at it and the 16-hour process that I was talking about before, the end result of that was actually a very simple... You know, it, it had a list of results on one side and a list of graphs on the other side. But the data underneath that, 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 that simple... I mean, it was literally a bunch of pivot tables that pushed up into, here's the results of your different campaigns. Um, in a table. So like on day 1, we hit 3. On day 4, we hit 5. On day 6, we hit 7. So, so it, it literally listed out results. And then on the right-hand side, it showed that in a, in a visual format and a graph. And so you look at that and you're like, Oh, that seems easy. Let's figure out how to automate this. And then you take one step underneath that layer and see where it's being aggregated and you get stuck. Because you're like, Okay, well, but how would I even get that in here? 
And how would I make it so that it's all matching up the right way and all of the different pieces get there? And people get stuck on the simplicity of the report looks even a little more simple to automate than it even is, right? It's like, oh, well, that's that's not that bad. That's just all my campaigns and and their and their results. But they then get in there, and, and what I find in in the most time is. A lot of automation companies, I mean, their goal is to try to draw you in and get you to try it. Um, and so most people who are listening to this have probably tried to automate something already. They, they've attempted to go out and hook up an account of some kind, or they maybe even have opened up a little bit of code and then freaked out and closed it because it looked like gibberish. Or you know, they tried to edit uh, something in a Shopify site or a WordPress site, and, and they just you know, their brains kind of had that moment of like, oh crap, I'm in over my head. And what I find is that it's all about, you know, that time tested theory of how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. Um, and so automation is all about breaking it up into those disparate parts. And, and I tell people, you know, when you go through and you're going to automate something, you have to ask three basic questions. Where is the data now? And you can insert whatever you want for this word that I'm throwing out here data, right? Where is the data? Where's the report? Where's the whatever it is? Where's the data now? Second question is, where does it need to go? And then the third question is, what needs to happen to it in between? And what I find out is, if you start replacing that noun, the, the, the word data, with whatever it is that you're trying to get, then you can start asking yourself the how. Well, how did I get that? Well, how did I get that? Well, how did I get that? And it becomes essentially a bullet-pointed tree document where you start to figure out where you're going. And you'll find that there's an origin point where the data came from originally. And there's an endpoint, a point at which you've completed your goal of creating an analysis that gets there. So if you can ask yourself those three questions, and then ask yourself those three questions about each of the sub-bullets, all of a sudden, you'll have gotten to something that can actually provide ROI. So that's the first step. Break it down to its individual parts. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's it's so funny that this recording would fall on today because I literally three hours ago I had lunch uh, with my friend Net. Uh, longtime listeners of the show will know Annette. She was on the podcast quite a bunch at the beginning, helping us get it started. She's going to be on for a kind of a follow up in a couple of weeks. Anyways, Annette was asking me today how to automate something. And so this might be something that a lot of our listeners are, are experiencing. So she's got a, a certain product in her Shopify store. It's very heavy. Uh, so it is actually fulfilled by uh, someone completely different. And what she had been doing, which this is probably going to make Will laugh, uh, is anytime that product got ordered, she would figure it out eventually by just she just checks her sales every day. And then when she saw that, she would go track down the email. And then she would copy and paste that email and send it to the the correct fulfillment house to make sure that order went out. Yep. So that's what she had been doing. And she was like, Chase, we can automate this, right? And I was like, yes, this might be the most simple thing we can automate. But it, it kind of just goes to show like it's stuff like that that's repetitive and easy. It was it's so easy to automate. And I mean we knocked it out in 15 minutes over lunch uh with just with Zapier. It was it was so simple to do. But it's stuff like that. You just gotta think about it. If it takes no actual thought to where it's just you know repetitive work, you can usually automate it. So, so it's it's funny that you say that because we've got a podcast that's uh, launching as well. We're calling it um, "Automate, Delegate, Eliminate." It's going to be kind of a game show kind of thing where we bring people on like a net, and we're like, "All right, tell us what you did. 
and they have to defend their position. And we're going to decide together whether they made the right choice. Automate, delegate, eliminate. Because that's really, in the end, what you're going to do with your process is you grow your business. And as I've gone through the process of automating, delegating, and eliminating inside data automation and inside other people's businesses, I've come up with a couple of litmus tests that you and your users, the listeners on this podcast, can use to discover whether or not something is ROI positive or whether or not it's automatable. They're not bulletproof, but they are an initial inkling of should I be talking to someone about automating this or should I be looking into automating yourself? And if you're interested, I'm, I'm totally willing to share. Is that, is that something you want me to share today? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So the first litmus test that I tell people is, is this taking more than 15 minutes a day, more than an hour per week, or more than an hour per month? Now, obviously, with Annette's example, I don't know how many orders she was getting with that individual item. right? And so it may not have met that litmus test yet. And the reason I tell people to, to look at that litmus test first is... You know, Annette came to you, and it was probably a level of annoyance, maybe that she was like, "Oh, this is happening," you know, once or twice a week, but it's annoying, or it's happening three times a day, and it's annoying. But it wasn't taking more than fifteen minutes a day. Um, that annoyance level is valuable to pay attention to, but as e-commerce businesses, one of the things we focus on is transactions, right? And it's all about volume. And so if you're not paying attention to the one that hits that litmus test first, you're probably going to start focusing on something that wasn't there. And part of the reason it was so easy for you to tackle that, Chase, is because you have experience, right? If you had just handed that over uh, to her and she had no experience with some of these things, it, it could have taken her a couple of hours to figure it out to get it right. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It is a 15-minute task if you have some experience there. But that's part of why my first litmus test is, is all about time. Because if we can find something that is repetitive, that's happening daily, weekly, or monthly, um, that's where we can find ROI. Now, can you do it at smaller increments? Absolutely. The second piece of the litmus test is how simple is the task. So, And this passes with flying colors as far as Annette's example is concerned. Can you teach the thing you want to automate to an intern in less than it takes to actually do the task? So could you record a video for an intern with a basic level of understanding of Google Sheets or Excel or email, and they would be able to follow what you did without asking you too many questions? And the answer to that, as far as Annette's example, is absolutely. When this product gets sold, <laughs> I want you to copy and paste this out of here and put it into here. Very simple task. right? So if it meets those two litmus tests, that's where you can start to be like, okay, now it's time to start researching. Now it's it's worth my time to invest in digging into where some of that goes, and um, you know, and then there's obviously a whole bunch of other steps and things you can do to actually get your arms around um, what's there. But those are my two litmus tests for like, is this worth investigating? So, so the question is not is this automatable because most things are a lot, a lot more than you are probably imagining is is totally automatable. The question is, is it worth automating? Absolutely. Let's be honest today. 
all of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rothy's. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. So with that question, is it automatable and is it worth automating? Talking specifically kind of to our listenership here, you know, what are you seeing e-commerce store owners focusing on whether it's right or wrong uh, you know what are, what do you think are the bigger wins that people are doing that you've experienced uh, what do you think people should be more focused on uh, with with areas that they should be uh, implementing automation uh, what are your thoughts on that so one of the first things I would say is that there are a lot of people focusing on the wrong things to automate and they want to tackle the biggest hairiest uh, thing in the room first. Um, and so one of the things I would say to you is look for something that seems simple. And that's where that, that litmus test comes in. You know, Something that can be copy and pasted and, and goes across. Think about how much human energy it takes to make the decisions about what's happening. What can you do to eliminate the variability associated with what's going on? So if you're getting an email from a supplier and the supplier is telling you, how much of, of something you have in stock. And they're literally typing out in an email like, Hey, we've got 50 of these available. If you could get them to send that to you in a very specific way, like here's SKU, number, oh, that might get exciting. Well, if you start thinking about it, SKU, number, that looks a lot like a spreadsheet. So could you get them to start emailing you a spreadsheet and that spreadsheet comes in in exactly the same way every time? That's interesting. Maybe it's only one product and they just are giving you a, an email once a day telling you what it is, but it's somebody manually typing it in there. If you have a good enough relationship and it's just a mom and pop shop, what if you sent them a form and you said, Hey, instead of emailing me every day, why don't you just fill out this form and I'll make it automatically update my website with those uh, inventory numbers? Totally possible. To, to be like, okay, on form submit, I want to go update the inventory numbers in Shopify for a specific product. Um, now, obviously, that's a very finite, specific use case. But um, one of the things you have to understand is that these data inputs can all be pushed around and looking at things. So any sort of action tied to the individual checked out... So like I finished an order. Anything you're doing every single time that order happens... There's a really good chance that there's some automation that you can tie into that. So maybe you're sending a thank you email after the fact. I mean, a, a common one for for marketing uh, in marketing worlds is every time I sell peanut butter, I want to advertise jelly. You don't need something super super expensive as far as email automation goes to start doing that. If you go find your products that you're selling and you know make a list of your of your pears, what all of your peanut butters, and on the right uh, list out all of your jellies, um, and then vice versa, right? You got to put all the peanut butter in that in that column as well, and then all the jellies that that, that go the other direction. B because if you can figure out what those are, then you can start to build listeners that will be like, oh, okay, well, every time I every time I get somebody who buys this, I want to send them an email, you know, hey, you bought your peanut butter, but you forgot your jelly. Um, so, so those are common things that I see. I see 
out of stock examples. So, you know, something gets bought and uh, when it actually makes it down to an inventory management platform, it's like, oh crap, that actually isn't in stock. We thought it was something about the way that things went down. It, it ended up being out of stock. As soon as that item gets marked out of stock, you can send an automated email to your client saying, hey, we're really sorry about this, but it looks like this is out of stock. I'm going to check again in a couple of days. And we're just going to let keep you aware of what's going on. And so you could even send an automated email every day and make it feel like a customer service person was literally checking in on that individual person's order every single day. Hey, sorry, still out of stock. Hey, sorry, still out of stock. And then after 5 days, you could make the message say, Hey, I'm really sorry, but it looks like it's still out of stock. Do you mind clicking on this Calendly link? Let's set up a quick 15-minute call and we'll talk about what we can do for you here. Because obviously, this has gone on a lot longer than we had anticipated. And then you may be able to save that canceled order by selling an alternate product or by looking at something else. So there's a lot of automation that you can do around that. Yeah, I mean, the sky is really the limit. I think the first challenge, and I think I've spoke on this before with a few other guests, is just like getting the mindset to where it's like that's just not another thing to add to my to-do list. Like that's another thing that can be on a robot's to-do list and it could be off my plate. Yep. And that litmus test is I tell people get out a sticky note and write down those things on there. 15 minutes, one hour per week, and one hour per month. Write that, you know, 15 one one at the top of the at uh, the top of that and if you need to you know put a little you know 15d 1w um and and 1m at the top of the sticky note and then anything that meets that criteria you're like oh i am i just finished that it took me an hour to do it um, and I'm going to be doing that every month in perpetuity. Write down the name of that process then right next to that i tell people to write a tick mark um, next to it for every time it happens. Now, obviously, it's going to happen over. You know, it's going to happen next month, right? But sometimes the thing that's happening is happening in variability in variability, right? So with this, with Annette's example, you know, she's probably got a decent idea and she can look at some history. But sometimes it's like a customer complained in this certain way. I don't know how often that happens, so it might not be worth automating. It might be like two or three times a week and it only adds up to 45 minutes or, or whatever else it is. But if you can start to quantify what's there, those are also going to give you ideas of what standard operating procedures you need to write for your company. Think about it this way. If I were going to hand this off to a human being, what would I have to tell them how to do? And that actually becomes the template for what you're going to do to automate. So instead of handing that to a human being, because the thing that you're asking the, the human being to do is mindless, you can hand that to a robot. One last rule of thumb that I want to share with everybody is always do the thing 5 times manually before you automate it. If you haven't gone out and actually done lifted the weights 5 times, you probably don't know enough about the process to truly make good decisions about whether you should turn left or you should turn right when you come to that fork in the road. Because every process has decisions that have to be made. And, and so I often tell people like, Hey, make sure you've done that at least 5 times manually before you start automating because you're going to waste some time if you don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't agree more with... Uh, like The automation is just an extension of the standard operating procedure. So I guess you know before you even get down the path of thinking about, well, what tools can I use to do this? Or what, you know, what, how am I going to automate this? It's like, well, what is the process first? The process needs to be pretty rock solid uh, just so you can know 
you know, you can start to get those data points like you were saying in the beginning, like, you know, what, where is it now? Where does it need to be? If this happens, this needs to happen. Like before you can get any of that really isolated, you need to have the process pretty rock solid. Yep. So um, if people were looking uh, kind of for more information, they want to get into this on their own. Like, you know, what are the tools out there that people are using to kind of kind of DIY this themselves? And when do you think it becomes a, a good idea to start reaching out to, uh, you know, a consultant that can and help in these sort of things? Yep, that's a great question. And you really can get started on your own. In fact, I prefer clients who have gotten started on their own because I find that they're more educated and they're better at understanding what it really takes to tackle some of these things. And so one of the first places I would go is Zapier for sure. Zapier.com. It's funny because when people get there, they're like, is that really how you say it? If you look down at the bottom, it used to be on the bottom left-hand side, it says Zapier makes you happier. They're actually telling you how to say their name. And it took me a little while. I have to admit this. And yeah, I know it's going to be recorded. It took me a little while before I figured out that Zapier was uh, Z-A-P-I-E-R. Um, and for those of you who are like, what? Oh, man. I just got it. Did you- Yes! I'm not the only one! Thank you, Ch- Chase. I, I really appreciate that you didn't get that. Because when I very first realized it, I was like, Oh, I should have seen that immediately. And I didn't. I didn't. It took me... I've been working on it for years. Um, I saw it on a video that they had done because they don't really advertise this a lot because I think it scares people. But API is the way that you interface with another system. So API... So if you, if you, if you go up to Shopify and you say, Hey, do you have an API? They absolutely have an API. And it is a application programming interface. Which is basically a fancy way of saying this is how our application interacts with another set of individuals or with the front end of a website. So, so long story short, API is a very good keyword to ask when you're looking for a new piece of software. If you buy a new piece of software, you should be sending them an email saying, Hey, do you have an open API? And if the answer is no, you might want to steer clear of that new application because their competitors might have an API and that API is going to allow you to create connectivity between that system and another system in the future. So Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R. So it's, it's basically Zapiering or, or API-ing things. So I, it made me laugh when I realized that that's what it was. But Zapier is all about connecting one platform to another. And it's basically putting you in the driver's seat as far as, okay, when this file hits this folder in Dropbox or Google Drive or OneDrive, I want you to automatically email it to someone else. So I make a lot of recordings uh, just with a, a tool like Screencastify or Loom. Those are really cool tools, by the way. If you're, if, you're, if you're still sending screenshots, you may want to get to like the Harry Potter version of screenshots where your, your screenshot can actually wave and talk to people. But yeah, no, uh, Screencastify or Loom, I, I send those a lot to people. And so uh, earlier today, I was automating some of my own process so that every time I record a new video, I get a little, uh, a little reminder or I, I get a way to automatically send that to my assistant or to... Um, you know, Sometimes I'm recording a bug for Zapier. I've, I've found something on Zapier's website that I'm like, Oh, that, that doesn't seem to be working quite right. Um, and so I'll send that over. But yeah, it's super important to know your own processes. And that's what the API in the middle of Zapier stands for. So Chase, thank you so much for validating the fact that 
wasn't the only one that missed that at the beginning. Uh, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast for any more than just one episode, you'll realize that I don't get a lot of random, hilarious stuff like that. You know, I I focus on certain things and other stuff just just completely goes over my head. Well, I think you're in good company uh, because I totally missed that, <laughs> and uh, and that's what Zapier is all about. So Zapier is a great tool. Integromat is another one. Um, there are um, Workado is another one. There, there are many, many, many different systems. They're called iPaaS systems, Integration Platform as a Service. Okay. Um, and those systems make a huge difference for everyone because they can basically put you in the driver's seat as far as um, integrating different uh, connections. Awesome. And now the second part of that question was, when do you think it's a good idea for someone to start reaching out to a consultant about some sort of automation activity or uh, you know, a certain... You know, is there a threshold other than like I know the litmus test kind of helps about discovering one process, but is there some other stuff that they can like see if it's happening within their business? Yeah. So in terms of uh, when it's time to uh, send that over to a consultant or, or when you get there, I give myself a. And your threshold may be different than mine. But um, if I've spent more than fifteen to thirty minutes, I, I'd probably say if I if I were saying you know someone who is starting out in automation, depends on how much you make, right? How much money do you want to waste on something before you look into maybe there's somebody out there who knows how to do this better than me. And so for me, it's fifteen minutes. I spend fifteen minutes on it, and if I've spent fifteen minutes banging my head against the wall, I'm already asking for help. Not a consultant. My first stop for help is the support team for whatever tool I'm using. Hey, do you have any way to handle this? Um, my second stop after I hear back from them is a, a, and I kind of vary actually. So my first stop is usually Google, you know, and, and I'll say I'll try to type in and understand how other people are calling whatever it is I was trying to automate. Then I'll reach out to the support team, or sometimes that's you know vice versa. Um, depending on the results I get back from those two individuals, um, I will then start looking for a consultant so I can quickly, you know, answer those three questions: Where's the data now? Where does it need to go? What needs to happen to it in between? And post that on Upwork or Fiverr and see if I can get some people who are, you know, mildly knowledgeable. Another great thing to do is to ask the customer service team: Do you have, you know, it, it, I'm trying to automate this, and they'll say, "Well, no," but you could ask somebody via an API, or they might say, "Oh, yeah, actually, if you go check that out on Zapier, you could totally automate that." A lot of times, they'll point you in the direction of the iPaaS solution that they're connected to. Um, and, and so after I've done those two things, it'll start to tell me, okay, now it's time to start asking someone for additional help. Absolutely. It's something to keep in mind. Like if you're, I like how you said, just banging your head against the wall, uh, trying to automate something yourself. I mean, it's just the opportunity cost too. Like if you, if you know that there's a certain, just process within your business that kind of you've identified, you know, it's it's checking a lot of these boxes here. It might this probably can be automated. It might be worthwhile to reach out to somebody just because it's it's one of those things like once it's done, it's done forever. And it it you know, it's going to just not be a task that a human has to tackle anymore. You know, like you said, you kind of you you got rid of two fifths of your job. So what happened after that was automated? So 
at that point in time, people generally have one of two options, right? Uh, first option would be kick back, relax, enjoy yourself, right? Like, oh crap, like, you know, I got two days a week essentially that I can just chill in my office and nobody's going to know that I wasn't working. That's one option, obviously, is to, to relax a little bit, take it a little slower pace. I chose to go all in and just find more things to automate. I, I got excited about that. And I made myself invaluable and unfireable um, because the automation, a lot of it lived in my head. Now, obviously, that's not the best business practice if you're the business owner. But as an employee, um, you want to find people who are going to automate. And you also want to teach them how to automate so that it's not all tied to them. Two important pieces of that process is to um, you know bring that out, let other people... Uh, look at it and, and you know develop that standard operating procedure because I didn't know what I didn't even know what a standard operating procedure was when I automated you know two fifths of of my my job before so it's an important piece of the puzzle so if if you're you know an e commerce seller and you're doing this on the side and you're trying to make yourself more invaluable at work or you want to find more time to work on your e commerce business automating a piece of it could be part of what you do absolutely so if people are picking up what you're putting down like how do they get a hold of you. Yep, absolutely. So uh, you can catch me at dateautomation.com um, or you can email me directly, will, W I L L, at dateautomation.com. And we'd be totally happy to help and happy to kind of point you in the right direction. All you got to do is mention this podcast and we'll give you a, a free 30 minute uh, consultation. We do a systems design session with you and uh, we normally charge $350 an hour for that. So um, you're more than welcome to grab us and and get that rolling. And I I'm I guarantee I'll, I'll bet you coffee. Um, I don't drink coffee necessarily, but I will bet you coffee. I'll, I'll bet you a Starbucks gift card that we can find something that you can automate. Awesome, that's a fantastic offer. Will, thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience before I let you go? No, I just uh, happy automating and uh, don't forget that sometimes it's a it's a little easier than you think if you just take one bite out of that elephant at a time. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.